0: Hey everyone, welcome to Be the Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change starts with civic education. The topic of this week's episode is near and dear to my heart, and before we get into it, I want to first share a little bit about my background. My mom and dad are both public school teachers in my hometown of Evergreen, Colorado. When people hear this, there are two major questions they tend to ask. So I'm just gonna answer those quickly for you right now. First question, oh my gosh, did you have to be in their classes? First answer, yes, I had my dad for AP US History my sophomore year and then AP Gov senior year, but I wasn't in my mom's class. Second question. Wow, how was it to be in your dad's class? Second answer. Aside from a few heated arguments at the dinner table over class debates and essay grades, we both survived the year pretty much unscathed. It would have been a lot worse if he was a bad teacher, but lucky for me, he was the best teacher I've ever had. In all seriousness, I want to give my mom and dad a huge shout out right now, because I've never met two people who are more devoted to their careers than these two. For 25 years, my parents have worked from seven in the morning to four in the afternoon. They have spent hours in their classrooms during the weekends, over breaks, and during summer vacation to educate their students. However, for all of this work they put in, Our public school systems are seriously underfunded, and our teachers are seriously underappreciated in this country. The discrepancy between top private schools for the elite compared to public schools in underserved communities is night and day, and education is far from being the great equalizer it promises to be in America. How could anyone even suggest that students living in these two different worlds could possibly compete on a level playing field in today's economy. The socioeconomic gap has been widening for decades and I could literally rant for hours about this issue. But in today's episode, I want to talk about the importance of civic education as a way to start closing that gap. So first I want to give a little background info about civics classes in American public schools. In many states around the country, students are enrolled in one civics or government class for one semester during their freshman year of high school. So, just to rephrase that a little bit, by the time that many Americans are eligible to vote when they turn 18, the extent of their knowledge about their government has come from four or five months of classes that they took when they were 14 years old. For many Americans, Those four or five months are the only time they will ever learn about civics and their government in their lives. If that isn't enough to set off red flags in your head, I found this statistic from a survey by the Annenberg Public Policy Center that only 26% of all Americans can name all three branches of government. Let that sink in for a second. 26% Now let me add another alarming fact. Every person in that other 74% who can't name the branches of government has the privilege of casting their vote in national, state, and local elections. Now, I'm not taking the Alexander Hamilton route to suggest that we should restrict voting rights to landowning white men or anything like that but I am suggesting that we need to invest in civics education to ensure that every voter understands how important their vote is and how much the government affects their lives on a daily basis. So on that note, I want to introduce the guest of this week's episode, Lauren Grimes of the Community Enrichment Project in Washington, DC. Lauren is a native of DC and she grew up attending public schools in the city, which as she will explain, are severely underfunded. After graduating from college and earning her MPP degree, Lauren was inspired to teach, and she is now a political science professor at Trinity Washington University and the University of District Columbia. Lauren founded the Community Enrichment Project as a way to enrich underserved communities, and I had the privilege of speaking with Lauren about the background and the mission of her organization. I'm
1: Lauren, I'm the founder for the past um, like five or six years I've been uh, like honing in on youth programming here in DC. And so my background is in policy and um, like all things political science. Uh, and so what I really wanted to do was to find a way to connect with youth in the underserved areas that I have lived in in DC. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, the geographics or even the demographics in the area but the city is divided into eight different wards and there are two wards in the southern and southeastern most parts of the city and they're the two most historically underrepresented so the youth in those areas tend to be um, from families who don't vote a lot they don't necessarily go out and volunteer in their communities often and from the work that I've done in policy and the work that I've done with youth just in general, what I recognize is a lot of those young people want to do better for themselves and their families. They want to see their community improve. And we just connect with them and learn more about what their interests are, what their passions are, and we try to, to show them how they can use those things that they have a you know, heartfelt connection with and take them and make change right in their own neighborhoods. So we do workshops and we do programs and trainings either at the local schools or things that we do on our own in the community. This summer we're um, going to do our first camp. It's going to be virtual because of all that's
0: going on, but um, we're looking forward to that too. Civic education is a broad term. But Lauren and her team have condensed their programming to focus on the four pillars of civic engagement, which she also explained to me during our conversation. We've identified four major pillars
1: uh, that we think most youth, especially with the um, audience that we connect with, will easily understand and identify with. So that is uh, voting, volunteering, activism, and advocacy. So, like, right now with all this going on in the world, they can clearly see advocacy and activism happening. They know that this is an election year and that voting is taking place. And all throughout the year, uh, especially the high school students, they're engaged in or should be engaged in some kind of volunteer opportunities. And they see people doing that um, where they, they live and throughout the city, too. That's just, these teachers just rich for those ty- uh, types of activities. But, for example, with voting, a lot of people will say, well, why do? You, how can you connect with a teenager when it comes to voting? You know, because you can't vote until you're 18 years old and things like that. But there's a lot of work that can be done. So in Washington, D.C., for example, you can pre-register to vote at the age of 16. And some of um, some local teens in, in other jurisdictions have actually fought and earned that are already at an earlier age in some of their like local elections, um, for example, in um, in an area in Maryland. So we try to use those examples to share with them so that they can see that they can either make change when it comes to you know voting as a way to be physically engaged, or there are things that they can do right now while they're in high school to prepare for what they would experience as a young adult and adult in the community.
0: So many Americans throw around the term, the great equalizer, when talking about this country's educational system. I would argue that the wide discrepancy in school quality in America has absolutely torn up that concept of a level playing field. And it's made the American dream more of a nightmare for the people trapped in cyclical poverty. I asked Lauren if she thought that education still qualified as the great equalizer, and this was her response.
1: No, not at all. I think that all of the public institutions that we have are severely flawed, let alone the educational system. But, I mean, here in D.C., we're here in the nation's capital, and I can only really use that as an example. We're in the nation's capital, and we have some of the poorest, you know, schools within the school system that there are to speak of. Like, these students are. They're not receiving the education that they deserve. They're, they're young people and they're going to go out into the world. They're not going to be prepared. And it's, it's not solely on the school, but with all the funding that we have, we need to do more with it. We need to provide the resources for the students and the parents so that they can supplement you know, the education at home and, and the kids while they're at home with them. But it's just like this. This crazy cycle that continues to complete itself. I graduated from the public school system here in D.C. and and I'll admit I'm one of the very few people from some of these communities that was able to, I guess, move on to 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 better circumstances. But you're setting these students up for failure with the current education system the way we have it now, and we should we should really be ashamed of how it is. We just need more voices. The only way we can have more voices is if there are more people that really understand what's going on um, and their power to fight for change.
0: So there it is. You listen to my rant about the state of this country's educational system and you heard about the Community Enrichment Project that has dedicated itself to filling in the gaps in student civic education here in DC. Now you know about this problem and it is up to you to take action. I asked Lauren if she had any words of wisdom to share with listeners who wanna make a change in this country. And here is her advice for you now.
1: So that's a great question. Um, If you want to make change if you want to inspire others to do better I say go out and do it don't wait to come up with a you know grand plan or, or grand scheme it's only one person to make a difference and that one person can encourage another person or more people and more people in it. And that's how we see the changes that we see today uh, that are happening in the world just go out there follow your heart and help make positive change all around you. That's how it happens.
0: That's exactly how it happens, and that's what we want to encourage to continue happening all around the world. There are so many ways you can take action and make a difference in this country, but educating yourself about the issues that others are facing is the first step. In the words of Nelson Mandela, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. So make sure to keep educating yourself about these important issues. Let's all work towards boosting that 26% of people who can name the branches of government to at least a solid 50, maybe even a wishful 75. But please remember that in today's society, education is a privilege. And to whom much is given, much is expected. So get out there and make a change. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can connect with the Community Enrichment Project on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the C E P D C. You can also learn more about the organization by checking out their website, which is linked in the description of this episode. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned in this episode, please reach out to me by email at lily at org or on Instagram at Be The Change Podcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.